to preach this sermon, and I'm committed to getting some of it out tonight. Um, King David as a model of the royal priesthood or the church. I want to deposit this one principle to you so you can pursue it in a bigger and a better way under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to talk about David a little bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm really stirred by this because biblically how much there is about it, but also because I do believe it's the kind of church God's raising up. God wants to raise up a church in the model of what was King David. And I don't know if you know this, but there's more in the scripture scriptures about King David than any other person except Christ. More material. All, almost all of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and 1 Chronicles, they're almost entirely about this man, King David. It's about his life and where he came from and his ascension to the throne and the process of running from Saul, waiting for the throne, and then his kingdom and then the end of it. There's more material about him than anyone. He writes 80 to 100 of the Psalms. Some people think more than that. The Psalms, which is arguably the most powerful book in the Old Testament full of worship and praise and prophetic about the Messiah coming. It's unbelievable. The Psalms are for sure my favorite book in the, um, in the Old Testament. And so David writes that out of his heart. David is one of the clearest prophetic types of the Christ. ton of your prophecies about a coming Messiah come out of the context of David and his very life. So the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures and obviously wanted to say many, many things to us about the life of David. So I think it's important for us to look at that and go, oh my gosh, the sheer amount of information about this person, the Lord must be wanting to say something to us about and through his life. So um, I believe the Lord is raising up a church that's much like him. A Messiah came that was like him and beyond him, but the Lord is looking for a church, I just want to say it, that's after his heart. That's what he's after. We love all the missions, love all the ministry, but it's all secondary to this. So there are many things to gain by studying the life of David. You can learn leadership lessons, courage, faith, repentance, responding to criticism. Almost no one does it better than David. David's got a demonized king trying to kill him, lying about him, slandering him, and he doesn't budge in blessing back Saul and never ever took his life as you know the story. But there are two primary things we want to focus upon. That's this. That David was a worshiping man. We want to be worshiping like David and we want to be warring like David. Those are the two primary streams that are coming out of him. Lots of different ways to say it, but he was a radical worshiper, lover of God. He'll say, Psalms 27, 4, one thing I desire. This is what I want. It's not, I don't, I got the kingdom. I'm a millionaire, maybe billionaire in that time, but that's nothing to me. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to seek him in his temple, and I just want to gaze on his beauty. Who says that when they're a king of a powerful nation with the favor of God? Well, it's David. And no one really wars like David. David is a, is a from the headwaters of David and Goliath all the way through. He's fighting supernatural wars, okay? So we must remember that David did not aspire to be king, but he was sovereignly chosen. He's the baby of a poor shepherd family that lives over in Bethlehem, a population of about 300 people. Bethlehem's famous to you now because Jesus was born there not famous back then. It's just a little place in the back desert, if you will, there of where David is taking care of some sheep and he's at the bottom of the pack. But the Lord sovereignly chooses him. And the first words we hear, obviously, about David from the prophet Samuel is this. Is Samuel says to Saul, who's losing the, losing the kingdom, but now your kingdom, Saul, shall not continue. You've disobeyed me. The Lord has, watch the phrase, sought out 
a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you've not kept what the Lord commanded you, Saul. That phrase that you probably know so well, the Lord has sought out a man after, of all the things we could be after, your own, my own heart. This is amazing that God is seeking Yahweh, looking among men. I mean, the language is there. Now, he's sovereign. He knows everything. He knows everybody's heart. But this clearly says, I gave you a king actually in judgment, Saul, but I'm about to give you a king in blessing who will be in David. And here's the clear thing about him. He's not like Saul, full of fear, really over-religious, trying to make more sacrifices, not obeying me. This guy's after my heart. Who do I want to maintain and steward, listen, steward my rule on planet earth? That's you and I. You and I have and are connected to the one with the greatest authority. He's got all authority in heaven and earth. We are really lovers of God who are exercising the authority of God dealing with his enemies on planet earth. Do you know that? Who stewards that kind of authority? What God says is, I want people after my heart. I want people not after the authority or the benefits of the authority or the platforms or the stage. I'm looking, I'm looking for people who are after my own heart. Well, we want to unpack this just for a couple minutes here because I want you to pursue this. That's in 1 Samuel 13, 14. The Lord, I believe, is not looking for stewards of his kingdom who are chasing ministry or vision. And I'm real concerned about that around us. We're high vision, high prophetic, high mission. I mean, you saw it tonight. We're just going for it. We're going for it. We're trying to raise up people in the ministry. My only concern about that is that somehow we're going to make that the main thing. It's not the main thing. The main thing is the Lord God himself. He's our reward. I don't care how many things you conquer. I don't think Billy Graham facing Jesus, that Jesus mentioned, you know how many people you got in stadiums, right, Billy? Or asking, do you know how many you got in? Was it good? You know, he's not even having that conversation personally, I don't think. I think he's talking to Billy about how Billy loved Jesus, and how he was faithful, and right by Billy, there's some old lady that died who never was known by anybody but was faithful to pray for souls to be saved. And God honors it because this is the most honorable thing in the kingdom of God. Are you after God's heart? Are you after his heart? And what in the world does that mean? This phrase, or this word heart, lavav is how it's pronounced, but it's L-E-B-A-B, -B, it's the English word, basically means this. It's the inner man or mind of someone. It's the midst, the heart, the center, as you would guess. It's the, down at the bottom, it's the seat of appetites or the seat of our emotions and our passions. So again, I want to make this point. What David is seeking is the heart of God, not just the direction of God, not just the ways of God. He wants to know how Yahweh thinks, how Yahweh feels, how he's having emotions and passions, and he's going after that with all of his heart. David, I got a sentence here, was not primarily after the Lord's stuff or safety or blessing or favor, but rather he was, he was after knowing and experiencing the passions and desires and the character of God. That's an important sentence for me. This is my John 6 for years. I've called it the, people would call it the flat my, eat, eat my flesh, drink my blood sermons. Because I'm like, that's a stunning deal for me. Jesus is like healed people and they're coming after him. He multiplies bread. Thousands are there. You remember. And then he starts talking to him about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. 
He's not talking about communion. He's talking about what we're talking about right now. I want a people that are hungry for me, not just what I can do. Actually, what I can do is the doorway to me. I think that the reward of the gospel is God himself. The reward of the gospel is not that I just get to go to heaven and not suffer anymore and there's no more devil. That's cool. I like it. But the reward of the gospel is I get to go to heaven in a resurrection body, fully take in God in my full experience. That's who God's looking for. He's looking, he's seeking for people that are not even distracted by kingdom things. They're so locked in, we're doing kingdom things. We're believing great things of a great God. We want liberal universities to turn over. We want the capital to turn to Jesus and vote for life. We want the Middle East to know Jesus. We want cyber realm filled with gospel and spotlight. But I'm telling you, what we want the most on our team is to have the Lord Jesus himself. He's the reward of his gospel. And we want to get them to the banqueting table and the one who invites you to the banqueting table is the meal itself. <laughs> That's stunning. I'm going to get you there from you eating the junk food of the worldly spirit. And then when you get there, you'll find out I'm the meal. I'm the one you savor. So David was the most radical worshiper in the Bible because he had the most radical revelation of the heart of the Lord. David is also the most radical warrior in the Bible because he had the most radical revelation of the heart of the Lord. So I believe the Holy Spirit, that's all I wanted to say tonight, is powerfully working in every one of your lives to produce this seeking heart mentality, affection, and goal. That you're seeking the heart of God. Well, Sam, real quick, what does that mean? Well, I think it means that you're beginning to set the trajectory. You still want the safety of God. You still want his provision. Don't get weird and religious about this. But you're saying in the middle of that, I want to be healthy, I want to be safe, and I want to have finances so I can know you more. I want distractions gone so I can know you. So, and I'll just say this, and it's going to take the Holy Spirit to set this in our hearts. But I think that the, the primary vision of your life ought to be I want to know Yahweh's heart. I want to know. I know what he did. He stepped into human history and the king that will judge everything let all my sin. He took the penalty of the people who would populate his kingdom. It's a stunning story. I'll come and take the wrath and the penalty and then I'll make a way for you to come in the kingdom. But the reason he did it was so he could transform our selfish hearts, sin-bound hearts, set us free so we could savor what he always wanted us to savor, which is him. And so making it part of your prayer is an intentional thing you begin to do. Lord, I love you, mostly love you, I love myself, but I'm asking, would you do a miracle in my heart that would move me from the inside where I really want to know your love, your joy, your peace, how you think about me, how you think about everyone around me, how you think about my enemies. I want to know your heart. And read the book of Psalms. Because <laughs> the Psalms is the unveiling of the heart of a lover who's not perfect. He's having a Bathsheba moment. He's having a murder moment. He's got some trouble. This is not a perfect guy, but it's a lover. It's a lover of God struggling along, keeping his eye on the ball. And so I'm saying this to y'all and to those that are going to listen to this later, that we are making this declaration as a Disciple Nation's family, that the main goal of our deal is not to start ministries. It's not even to get the whole world saved. We want those things 
but they're not our main thing. Our main thing is the one thing, which is to seek him in his temple and to gaze upon his beauty. Listen, kings, the kind of king God wants is a one who's after his own heart. We're a royal priesthood. The only way we can steward great authority and great power, which we're called to do, is if we have great hearts of love for him. And so I hope you're making a prayer. God, do whatever it takes to make me a passionate lover of God. Do whatever it takes in my life, circumstance, or miracle to change me into one who's after your heart at the center of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless, 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 bless my friends who are here today. Do a miracle in our lives. It's astounding the amount of benefits there are in being in the kingdom of God. It's astounding what's about to manifest and break into the age and change everything. It's awesome. It's, it's astounding the descriptions of heaven and where our future is headed. Thank you. But Lord, I pray in the middle of all that glory, we wouldn't miss our God. I, I'm asking, please, make us not idolaters in the kingdom of God. Where we're worshiping what you do and missing who you are. Lord, I pray for a miracle, a miracle in this room of people that genuinely are moved to know your heart, to hear your heart, but not just flowery, poetic language, deeply committed to applying themselves to receiving revelation about who you are. God, I pray that for us. I pray that for the whole church in the city and the whole church in the earth. You're coming back for a church who's after your heart. And so I pray for this miracle.